Good morning, Deep Run family. This morning, we will be reading from the English Standard Version. Um, If you're here and you need a Bible to borrow or to keep, you can find them on the back table. If you're watching with us online and you need a Bible, just let us know and we'll find a way to get it to you. Um, Please join me um, in Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Today is a buffer, uh, a space between uh, our series in Psalms for the summer and uh, launching into the Gospel of John this fall, starting next Sunday. So we'll be in the Gospel of John um, through the winter and the spring. Very exciting. Uh, Pray for me. but, but for now, we're, we're, we're going to do something a, a little different. You may remember that in the spring, I preached a, a mini-series called Beyond COVID. And it was kind of a sense of, okay, well, now what do we do? Let's, let's rebuild and, and restore and work together and heal and move forward as a church. So think of today as a recap or um, an afterthought of that mini-series just a few months later. Okay, a little addendum, or if you're a musician, a little coda on on that little mini-series. The Lord's work and the Lord's results. Um, We're relaunching as a church. Literally, we are relaunching as a church. If, If you were here in the very beginning, seven years ago, you know what it felt like and what it was like to launch a new church. Well, we're relaunching in 2021. Uh, we have to. Everyone has to. As a matter of fact, some missiologists say that a healthy church, no matter its age, a healthy church should relaunch itself every seven years. And I thought, well, how convenient. Deep Run Church is seven years old as we are coming out of this pandemic. So there you have it. And, and we have been praying for our community, the county, Carroll County, and Westminster, and our own neighborhoods, and our neighbors. We've been praying. We've been planning new things, launching new things, relaunching uh, old things. And of course, practically, we've been asking for help, right? We've, you've heard announcements. Please find a way to serve. Uh, please contribute in some sense. So uh, Becky made an interesting point. At the beginning of every work week, Becky and I pray for our kids and for our church and for other things as well. But last, last Monday, we were praying, and as we were praying for the church, Becky made a comment in prayer, and I thought, oh, this is what I'm going to preach on this, this week, because I didn't know what I was going to do. And, um, you know, she made the point in praying that like every single institution, every institution you can think of, a business, a school, the government, whatever, uh, we're, we're, trying, we're trying to go back to that pre-COVID dynamic, in everything that we're doing, but we're still dealing with COVID. 
right? The schools, churches, you walk down the street, you go into a store, everyone's trying to get back to that pre-pandemic state of things, but we're still in this pandemic, which makes almost everything confusing, draining, exhausting, sometimes frustrating, and definitely discouraging, right? You take, a, you take a step forward as a family or an individual or a corporation, and then you find you have to take two steps back. And this keeps happening. But forward we must move. We have to press on. So today is really for all of you who are serving here in this church in some way. I, I can't overstate the words thank you. Um, it's also for you who are thinking about or praying about getting involved and serving in the life of the church. It's also for those of you who are avoiding serving in the life of the church. It's for all of us. And my word to all of us is, let us not grow weary in doing good. You can apply it to the rest of your life, but today I'm going to apply it to our church. Let us not grow weary in doing good. The Bible never promises that our work will prosper or endure. It doesn't. The Bible promises that God's work will prosper and endure. The Bible tells us that God's work is never wasted, though we can't always see the results. And that's the message of this tiny portion of Paul's letter to the churches in the region of Galatia. Just this little, uh, just a few verses we're going to look at today. We're going to pull them out of the context of that letter, uh, and, and we're going to learn about the Lord's work, and we're going to learn about the Lord's timing for the Lord's work, and we're going to learn about the Lord's results for His work and how He involves us in it. So the Lord's work and the Lord's timing and the Lord's results. God's work always, always accomplishes enduring, lasting, permanent results. Paul's words in verse 7 of Galatians chapter 6, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Like much of the Bible, like much of the Gospels, like much of the Old Testament, uh, this is agricultural imagery. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. It's sort of a proverb, right? This is the nature of things, Paul is saying. The natural order of things in the universe that God has created, where we find ourselves living and working, uh, is such that actions have consequences, don't they? Input produces output. It's the way things are. Specifically, the results we see are congruent with whatever work preceded it. For example, you cannot plant apple seeds and get blueberries. This is not on purpose. You cannot smoke like a chimney and enjoy healthy, full lungs in your old age. Or as Paul McCartney once said on Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live, you get 
what you give. So this expression, God is not mocked, it expresses the impossibility of defying the nature of things in the world that God has created. Nobody can say to God, I'll show you. I'm going to plant apple seeds and get blueberries. He can't be mocked, Paul says. You can expect results, consequences, based on what you put into things. Now, of course, Paul's talking about more than just fruit. He pivots to the moral implications of the proverb. It's not just about biology and agriculture or mathematics. There's a moral impact to what Paul is saying. Look at verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, when he uses the word flesh, he doesn't mean your, your biceps and, and your quadriceps and your hands and your feet. He means your, the, your spirit, the, the old part of you uh, that is opposed to God. When Paul uses the word flesh here, he means our moral corruption as rebels against a good and righteous God. We don't want what God wants. God has a plan and, and we have our own. Paul is saying, if we sow like a farmer sows seeds, if we sow in a manner that is contrary to the will of our Creator, we can expect to reap corruption. No matter how successful as a person you may seem or people may think you are, ultimately, Paul says, you will reap what you sow. If, if you put in according to your rebellious nature, what you will get out of life is corruption. And ultimately, what he means by corruption is death. Eternal separation from your creator. So, if we sow, two different ways of using the, the phrase, if we sow seeds in sync with God's will, we can expect, ultimately, no matter what your life looks like, no matter how hard of a struggle it is, if you sow in sync with the will of your Creator, you can expect ultimately life, eternal life, flourishing blessedness, the renewal, the restoration of your body and your soul. There are times in the Bible where a believer will say something like King David said before he was the king, when he was being hunted in the wilderness for his life, he would say something like this in Psalm 57, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purposes for me. You see the difference? Not my purposes for me, but his purposes for me. So for anyone, for any human being, enduring work, the kind of work that lasts ultimately is sowing in agreement with God's work. God always accomplishes his work. And so the way we participate in enduring work is to get on board with God's program. Now, you're probably objecting at this point in your mind and you're thinking, wait a minute, I've done good things. I've done godly things at times. 
um, and I've gotten poor results. I've been financially generous, so financially giving, and yet I've never gotten a raise. The more I seem to give in generosity, the less I seem to make. Um, maybe you're thinking something more like this. Um, I volunteer in this very church, but others don't, and I'm frustrated, and I wish more people would help. It's easy for me to think that way sometimes. Or maybe you're thinking like this, I reached out to so-and-so to try and mend the relationship, and they're not interested. I want to make peace. They don't seem to care. My output doesn't seem to be congruent with the input. Paul addresses your objection, and he basically says, God's timing is not yours. The work of God is critical, but you also must understand the timing of God. He goes on in verse 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Paul understood. We grow weary. And the, the original Greek word is, is to get discouraged, to lose heart, to despair. Because let's be honest, Paul knew we get we get tired of, of how things just seem to happen in life, right? Illness, pandemics, financial recession, floods, earthquakes, hurricanes, our good work gets compromised. And what I think is even worse, and I think you know it's true, our good work goes unnoticed. Or your good work goes unappreciated. Maybe that is the most discouraging thing that contributes to your weariness. We grow weary because in a fallen world, our work is often toil. God created work, and work is exhilarating. But because of our sin, toil entered the human experience, and toil is exhausting. So Paul understood but he goes on to craft an important phrase here, for in due season, we will reap. Now, that's interesting. In due season, the ancient Greeks had two concepts of time, and so they had two words for it. The word chronos, you can figure out, it's where we get chronology from. The word chronos is the ticking of the clock, the sun rising, the sun setting, and as Pink Floyd sang in the 1970s, racing around to come up behind you again. You can never get ahead of time and you cannot bargain with it. And the Greeks called the ticking of the clock, or I guess the, the moving of the sundial, chronos. But they had another word, kairos, for a different type of time, a season, a moment. Kairos was an appointed time, when things were ripe. See, Kronos is, uh, is it five o'clock yet? When is it going to be five o'clock? Are we there yet? When are we going to get there? That's Kronos. Kairos is, now is the moment. Now is the time to act. 
Now is the moment when things seem to be moving and we need to respond. And Paul here is using the word kairos. And so Paul's not saying, when it's 5 p.m., you'll reap. When I'm 64, you'll reap. He's not saying that. He's saying in due time, at the appointed time, in God's timing, you'll reap. God's results for God's work. You see, we want God to work quickly. We want him to work in our timing, which is always quickly. But you know, even in the life of our church, just in the last seven years, when I think of our ministry to college students, when I think of our just recently developed youth ministry, um, when I think of our children's ministry, when I think of our community groups, when I think of key connections we as a church have made with people in the community, with other organizations, with other ministries, with people who do not profess faith in Jesus Christ, when I think of all the ways that we have said, wow, God is moving, it has never been in our time frame. It has never been quickly. We have planted seeds and some of them have not germinated. Some of them died in the ground. And we've planted other seeds that have grown beautifully, but, in, but the way it would happen, we would always have to say, well, we worked hard, but God made it grow. We could never take the credit. We always had to work hard like a farmer has to sow. But every time something sprouted and something grew, it was obvious that God had done it, that we had not done it. And yet, he didn't drop it out of the ground. It was always the divine results of our human effort. We want God to work quickly, but he works in his timing at the right time, Paul says. So my challenge to you, my challenge to us is labor faithfully. Labor faithfully for God, expecting him to work even when you don't see fast results. You can apply that to every aspect of your life, but I'm saying as a church, with the work of the church. Let's labor faithfully for God, but expect him to work even if we don't see fast results. I married into a farming family. Fruit, they farm fruit. And, and what I've seen is that farmers work all year long. Even in the winter, they're at work. They're at work all year long for a very brief harvest. Whatever that crop is, the harvest is just a slice of the year. It is a slice of the chronos of a calendar year. And yet for the entire year, from kairos to kairos, from season to season, the farmer is working. And really, that's how all of life is, isn't it? The reaping is brief. The reaping is, is rare. Most of what we're doing is work and waiting and expectation. But we grow weary. We grow weary because in a fallen world, labor is long and results are brief. And you cannot control the results. You cannot control the weather. You cannot control other people. And most of us can't control the stock market. And we grow weary. But the Christian 
The Christian can labor with hope. The Christian can serve and volunteer and give. The Christian can parent in hope because God has set times for the results that he is seeking. That is why Paul was able to say when he talked about the resurrection of our bodies from the dead, which is the ultimate hope, it's why Paul could say to the Corinthians, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. You see that, that harvest language? Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That phrase, in the Lord, is critical to knowing that our work is not in vain. That is a powerful motivation for working hard. If you're a, kid, if, you know, if you're a young person and you're at school, or, or if, if, if you've retired from your occupation and, and now your work is the garden, or taking care of your grandkids, or, or, or whatever. This is a powerful motivation for working hard and for being faithful in your commitments and for doing it with joy. Even when you don't see fast results, doing it, working, laboring with joy. Because even if the results don't come, and even if progress is very slow, and even if you don't get the credit or the praise, right? Like when George Costanza bought the salad, but Elaine got the credit for bringing the salad to the party. He couldn't stand it. He had to say, I bought the salad. And that's what we do. We don't enjoy our work unless we get the credit for it. But the hope of the Christian is that I'm going to rise from the dead. Jesus is coming back. And my life matters. The work I do matters. God's timing is not yours. So labor faithfully, so abundantly, so like it's the last time you're ever going to sow. And most of it won't germinate, but some of it will. Some of it will. That's the Lord's work, waiting for God to work and make his results out of your efforts for him. So labor faithfully for him, expecting him to work in due season, in his timing. That's the thing. God's working too. You are not the only one working hard right now. We all have excuses. We all have, if they only knew what I'm dealing with. You're not the only one working. You're not the only one discouraged. And God is working. And Jesus said that. My father is always at work. Paul had said in the previous chapter, in Galatians chapter 5, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And we love that verse, and we pull it out and use it for all sorts of things. Well, now let's pull it into the context, the context of the next chapter. If we live by the Holy Spirit in us, let us also keep in step with him. Paul's saying here, when we bring it all together, that our efforts must align with God's purposes. That's what it means to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Our efforts must align with His purposes or our work is in vain. Now, if you are listening or if you are here and you are not a Christian, do you see, based on this, if this is true, 
If the creator has a good plan and you are not in line with it, do you see the futility of all of your life's greatest accomplishments? Of all of your proudest moments? That it could all, no matter how shiny and beautiful and well-respected it is in this lifetime, how it could all end up in the waste pile that's gonna be burned up by the farmer? Jesus used that type of language. God won't consider how many likes you got on your social media posts for your good works. And Jesus even said, enjoy it now. Those who succeed in this life, whether it's money or accomplishments or whether everybody likes you or everybody's impressed by you, whatever it is, whatever your good works are, Jesus says, enjoy it now because it's the only enjoyment for your labors you're ever gonna get. If you work for, if you parent for, if you volunteer for and serve and give to others with worldly expectations, you can expect worldly results. Whether the world thinks you're successful or a failure, if we put in with worldly expectations, we will get worldly results. That goes for relationships too. And if the results are big and fast and impressive, the results will make you proud and arrogant over other people who haven't accomplished much. If the results are slow or you get no results, you will remain frustrated and you will be envious and critical of others who have more or are different or are not alongside of you in your struggle. If you sow with worldly expectations, you will get worldly results. And so you discover that people are living and dying by the work they do and the results they want. We live and die by the work we do and the results we get. That is how this broken world works. But Paul says... Do not be deceived. God is not going to be mocked. You will reap what you have sown. That's the bad news. That is really bad news. That you could put everything into something and God will say, depart from me, I never knew you. It's bad news. The good news is this. This is the good news, that despite your poor, lame, half work, despite your lazy work, despite your almost perfect but not good enough work, you're going to get the rewards that God has established. Let me put it another way. Despite your incomplete work, you're going to get rewarded with God's results. This is the amazing thing about Christianity. God said to humanity, here's the most important thing. You want to do work that lasts? Here it is. Love me with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, right? You think, wow, I've, I've grown a good company. I've been a good teacher. I've been a good parent. Uh, fill in the blank, right? And God says, listen, this is what I'm looking for. 
love me with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. That covers everything, every human endeavor. And then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's my work. That's what I created you to do. How are you doing at that? How's that going? Right? Everybody in the room is thinking, well, not perfectly. Actually, abysmally, when you really think about it. That's the work of the Lord, right? And, and, and we've all failed at that, which means the harvest we will reap is death and damnation and eternal separation from a good and loving God. We live and die by our work and its results. But God worked also. God has been working since the beginning of human history, since the beginning of time and space, to offer an alternative, to offer a different outcome, to offer a different type of harvest, to offer different results, although you and I have failed. How interesting I find it that God sent his son and, and imagine we're all watching this, you know? Like, imagine we have a chance to move outside of human history and look at the incarnation. Look at how Jesus shows up in time and in space and how the shepherds find him and how the magi come to worship him and you go, wow, now after ages and ages and ages of sin and death, God is showing up, right? And we're like, here it comes, it's gonna be, Wow. Wow, like Monday night football, it's here. And then what do we see? What do we see Jesus do? He gestates for nine months in Mary's womb. Doesn't come out as a conquering king, a baby in the womb for nine months. And then Jesus learned how to eat and he learned how to walk and he learned how to talk. And the Gospel of Luke tells us grew in stature and favor with God and men and lived the kind of life that every kid has to live. And, and then we learn he became a carpenter. He worked with his hands with wood for probably over a decade. All of that all of that before what we call his earthly ministry, his preaching and teaching and parables and his dying. Before all of that, almost three decades of what you and I don't even think is all that special of work. God came among us and worked. God came among us and labored in the little things, in the common things, in the mundane things, in the things that you don't get credit for, that you're overlooked in doing. That's what he thinks of this world. That's what he thinks of you. You were worth, this world was worth God to come and roll up his sleeves and work in the simple things. And it's amazing that that when others wanted Jesus to build his brand, right? 
when a, a miracle comes along, right? And the disciples are like, come on, everybody's looking for you. His brothers are like, come on, go to Jerusalem, make yourself known to the world. Every time people with good intentions said to Jesus, it's time to move the company to the next level, what, was, what did he say? What did he say? First of all, they couldn't find him because he was always off somewhere praying to his heavenly father. But what would he say? What was the phrase? I want to hear it. Do you know it? My time has not yet come. Build the brand, Jesus. Outsource. Go global. This is the son of God. My time, kairos, by the way, in the Greek, my time has not yet come. And then God brought about the best results at the right time. The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, is what Jesus said when he knew it was time to go to Jerusalem. Knowing that he would face his own death, at the right time, although on the cross, it appeared as though Jesus' life's work was all in vain, when Satan and death and sin thought that they had won, it was not so. An apostle Paul in Romans, another letter of his, says, for while we were still weak at the right time, kairos. I discover these sermons just a few hours before you do, at least the ending. And I discovered this, I said this morning, I was almost overwhelmed. I said, oh my goodness, the word is kairos. I never knew this. While we were still weak at the right time, at the appointed time, in God's timing, Christ died for the ungodly. That's the good news. We're failures and Jesus was a success and the results that he deserves are given to us through faith. That's the good news. Christ was judged and he was punished for your bad work record, for your not good enough work record. And if you accept the reason for his work, you're a sinner and separated from God, if you accept the reason for his work, you get its results. I'll say that again. If you accept the reason for the work of Christ, you get the results. Perfection. You get his perfection. You get his perfect working record attributed to you by the death and resurrection of a righteous Jesus Christ. And that's why it is ultimately true that the work of God is never wasted. The cross and the empty tomb prove it. We can't always see the results, but God is always working, and he will reap his harvest. And the point of Paul's passage is, do you want to be a part of God's harvest, or are you just going to enjoy the, the fickle little fleeting harvest of your efforts in this life. Jesus labored faithfully for you from birth to earth, from womb to tomb, and then out of the tomb. He labored faithfully for you. Now you labor for him. You labor for him, expecting his results, not your results. 
even in serving in the church, even in ministry, your results, your timing are not his. Expect his results in his timing. What we know about the Bible is that Jesus' results is this, that life comes out of death. That abundance comes out of sacrifice. Those are the expectations of God's work. And as we relaunch and as we restart as a church, let's serve together. There's something that everybody can do. We can work around the parameters of this pandemic to serve together. And let's not grow weary of doing good. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you didn't give up. Thank you that you knew that your labor was not in vain. Father, we want to be a part of work that lasts. We're discouraged. We've grown weary. Help us to see that Jesus thought we were worth it, that Jesus thought that this globe and and the people on it were worth working at. Help us in his name learn what it means to work with his expectations. Amen.